I'm Robert Campbell. For over 20 years, the mere mention of the name Jason Voorhees has been enough to send a shudder of fear through the hearts of an entire nation. Born in 1946 to Elias and Pamela Voorhees, Jason was believed to have drowned in Camp Crystal Lake at the tender age of 11. Sadly, he did not. Since then, he has been responsible for 83 confirmed murders and speculated scores of others. I'm gonna kill Jason Voorhees. I'm going to say two words to you, Mr. Duke, and I want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. You ready? Shoot. Jason Voorhees. Well, that makes me think of a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut. Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. Right now? You want nothing but a big old pussy anyway. Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. I'm gonna kill Jason Boyd. You want nothing but a big old pussy anyway. Welcome to 100 Lunatics, the podcast where we examine horror's legendary icons from birth to death to inevitable remake. I'm your horror-loving host, Daniel, and before I introduce my co-host tonight, let me just pass on this Jason Demon soul over to my horror-hating cousin, Nathan. Hi, I'm Nathan. I hate America and everything sucks. Okay, let me pass it over to my friend Jonathan real quick. Hi, my name's Jonathan. I like to take Daniel's side, but secretly I hate these films. Okay, here we are. Voorhees Saga number nine. Jason Goes to Hell, 1993. Director doesn't matter. Actors don't matter because they're all just television people. They got called in to do one movie in the 90s, a part nine, and a long, long series of Jason, and now they've moved on to lesser things. You introduced yourself as a horror lover, by the way. I thought that was a fair intro. I felt, was pretty I felt fairly represented. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> can we do that from now on? You guess what? Can you to do the speak for you? Can you do the except, Jason except Soul exchange from now on? Each of us get to do it once, right? So I can be like, Hi, my name's Daniel. I don't know what country I live in. <laughs> I've got citizenship from two different countries, but I want to stay in this other country. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I have no no place where I truly feel home. That's correct. You hear that, audience? He's a traitor. He's not an American. He's one of them illegals. Can't vote. He ain't he ain't no goddamn American. Okay. You said it wrong, Canadian. It's just Isn't American. that how you say it in Texas? You say goddamn American. You don't American. you don't pronounce the first A. Right. American. American. Okay, guys. <laughs> first things first. American. We dropped the Friday the 13th moniker. This movie is just called Jason Fuck Goes to Hell. Off with the moniker. It's been on. Colon. It's been off. It's been... Who cares? Oh, the moniker's back. Oh, no, it's been on the whole time. <laughs> Maybe the longest of any franchise. I don't know any other franchise technically called Part 8. But this one's not part nine, even though it was going to be called Friday the 13th Part 9, The Dark Heart of Jason. Right? That was alternative title. Do you guys want to take a guess at alternative plot? Uh, That other title is more fitting. It is more fitting. 
uh, I kind of cheated and read an alternate plot. You did read the alternate plot. So you know, J- or Nathan, do you take a guess at what the alternate, thinking about the previous movie, what might this movie have been? Uh, Crocodile Dundee goes to Los Angeles. Yes. Technically, you're right. It would have been called Jason Goes to L.A. Or Jason mm-hmm. Takes L.A. And it would have been two street gangs. Presu- Escape from L.A. Presumably the back. the Crips and the Bloods. Is that an L.A. gang? Mm-hmm. It would have been them fighting each other. Jason intervenes and forces <laughs> the two gangs to gang up together against Jason. <laughs> Somebody brought them all out of it, though, right? Or, wait a minute. You guys are going to make Jason walk down the streets of Compton? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Tragic no, Kane no, Hodder no, no. death today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. Yep. Now, this movie was supposed to have been directed by Toby Hooper, famous from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He declined. Another man, um, John McTiernan, declined in 1993 to go and do Last Action Hero. Oh, great choice. That was supposed to be a huge blockbuster, though. And Nathan's already mentioned it. It's been four years since Part 8. Paramount has sold the franchise over to, over to New Line Cinema, who also happens to own Nightmare on Elm Street and Evil Dead. And I think we can all see a tinge of New Line's hand on this movie, right? It's bonkers. It's Dream Child bonkers. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. They even had the Dream Child in this movie. Yes. I could feel the Nightmare on Elm Street persona like settling over this film like a dense fog all right nathan stab me go ahead Um, you you figure out the body count in this movie there's some sex there's some sex in this movie and happens in the tent and she's got some nice boobs too and there's some there's quite a few um boobs i i would like to say that they they like to take the clothes off and then kill the lights and then immediately make them run around, you know, with clothing that, like a, like a towel that doesn't want to fall off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a very professionally Just tightly. Just once, I yep. would like to see a scene like in the beginning of this movie where the towel just, you know, realistically comes loose because she's frantically running, you know just falling over like come on that that towel would have been off she would have been running buck naked through the woods and that would have been awesome oh for sure i don't know though i mean special agent elizabeth marcus you know Mm -hmm. she's a professional is she the tightest body we've had on this series i feel like she was super toned strong almost again special agent been through a lot of training and what happened to high-waisted underwear yeah, that was the highest thong I think I've ever seen. Am I the only guy that loves that awkward, high-waisted underwear look of the late 80s, early 90s? I love those bikinis. I love those weirdly high-arching thongs. It makes everyone's all women's legs look five feet long. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. Bring it back, man. Bring it uh, back. The, you, well, you you know like, like, I should start wearing you, it? You took my stab away from me. I will accept apologies. <laughs> Sorry, uh, did for I the get next fifteen dis- seconds distracted by high waisted underwear? Please continue. You have fifteen seconds to apologize. 
So I'm saying you should take all of this podcast money and create a line of 100 lunatics high-waisted thongs. Yes. This will be one of the first things that we merchandise to our 100 lunatics shop will be high-waisted uh, female clothing. Just of all kinds. I'm down. Uh, jean shorts that are cut so high that the crotch part is the lowest part of the material. <laughs> you and have the not pockets used stick out. any no. of this 15 seconds to apologize. All right, Nathan, stab us. Sorry that I interrupted you. <clears throat> sex, a little bit at the beginning. But it was decent sex. It was like actual softcore porn. The tent fucking? And, hmm? The tent fucking? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was more, you know, normally... When you watch sex in these sorts of movies, you don't, in, you know, visualize the penis penetrating the, the vagina. But in this one, you could a little. And that, that indicates soft core porn to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked like um, she was trying to act like she was coming. Yeah. Wow. Do you want to maybe just do the stabbing here? I'm, I'm, te- I'm leaving comments on your status <laughs> updates, okay? Uh, tits, again, there was a decent... Decent amount of tits, several sets. Um, in some cases, a little bit of a wisp, you know, kind of, kind of mm-hmm. a throwback to the original Nightmare on Elm Street, where, you know, the shirt, the pokey nipple is enough, you know, or the, you know, the the open flannel button up shirt with oh, yeah. the yep. obvious nudity underneath. Yeah, the the brawless midriff shirt the, or the brawless button up shirt. The suggestion is the magic you know the magic well that's where i disagree right less is more is what you're saying i'm saying less is more i've always been a fan of less is more i'm I'm a fan of tease people because in a day and age where little bastards can just go on their fucking phone and search up whatever the fuck they want and look at whatever the fuck they want you know maybe you should maybe you should try to get into the more sensual less is more teasing aspect because really showing it doesn't really get you anything well that's that's a nice soapbox moment but i'm still a fan of more is more so we got sex in the tent we've got boobs from the dark-haired girl in the tent boobs from the red-haired girl in the tent and boobs from agent marcus okay let's get to the body count i body count i want i want a goddamn over under hey nate over under 25 Ooh. There, that's more enticing. Under 25. True. Do we know? I feel like... Okay, here's the thing with the body count in this movie. Uh, Jason Proper is only in it for the first five minutes and the last five minutes. The rest of the time, he is body hopping through a series of demonic possession rituals. Um, I've counted all the deaths by different people that are possessed by Jason... Jason's rampage in this movie was not like normal. Usually he kills, makes sure that you're dead, and moves on. This time he kind of just hurt a bunch of people that were in his way and killed who he wanted to. So I've been careful, but I do have a body count, and that body count is 19. And in that you're counting everyone who was possessed by Jason at some point. Yes. Um, can we just not argue about that part of it? Just sure. Making sure. Yeah. It's let's just come to a consensus now that yes, it's hokey, but he's a parasitic heart slash tongue in this movie. So 
Let's just own it. And uh, it is what it is. Parasitic black heart slash black snake tongue slash demon baby. Exactly. But this is New Line. And in New Line, everything eventually goes back to demons. Right? Freddy eventually became just a guy that shook some demons' hands. Right? Mm -hmm. And here is pretty much the same thing. It looks like Jason Mm -hmm. has also shook some demon hands. You know what I thought about this movie? I'm going to give you my summation of this movie. Okay. This movie made... Almost as many wild assumptions that Daniel makes about all of these movies. So it makes sense that I love this one so much. I'm saying they would like, oh, this, what is it? What is his name? Creighton Duke or something? Creighton Duke. Creighton Duke. Creighton Duke. He's just like, well, the secret is you, you know, Jason can only be killed by a Voorhees. He can only be reborn through a Voorhees. Yep. He has to be killed by a Voorhees. And he has to be, you know, stabbed through the heart. <laughs> yes, by a Voorhees it's, only. It's kind of... Seriously? Are you joking? And it's okay if that Voorhees <laughs> is dead. Yeah, like they're pulling these rules out of their ass, left, right, and center that have never been talked about before in the entire series. And I'm like, Daniel? <laughs> new Daniel, distribution that, company, new rules. Yes. Is that, is that you, Daniel? Now, here's the thing. Last thing before we get into the walkthrough. This is why I love this movie. First of all, this movie does its research. It researches all the way back to the beginning and makes sure that it knows its shit before it starts making assumptions. One, something that Jason ate did not bother to do. Two, it gets all of its crap right on. And it follows its own rules that it sets within the movie. So even though it's ludicrous and ridiculous and Creighton Duke is a total piece of shit, right? Yeah. He's... No redeeming factor in this guy. No. Look, the best part in this movie to me after I've been harping on every other Friday the 13th movie is how does nobody know about Jason? And this one <laughs> answered that for you. They finally do. No, they finally do, but how did nobody know about him before? Like, what, it took him going to Times Square for everyone to realize that Jason Voorhees was still alive? Right, well, this is what New Line does. It brings in a little bit of logic and then throws everything off the fucking rails. (laughs) Well, what better time than Friday the 13th to open the last of the Friday the 13th movies? The title of this one is Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. Throughout 13 years and 8 films, Jason, the hockey-masked killer of the Friday the 13th films, has hacked his way into the hearts and other body parts of audiences. Now, in the ninth and final movie in the series, Jason meets his match and goes to hell. In honor of his death, Jason is being immortalized at the Hollywood Wax Museum, and we unmasked the man behind the mask, veteran stuntman and actor Kane Hodder. It's the most fun character I've ever played. Kane has played Jason in three films and says he gets to help come up with ideas for the killer's murderous devices. There was a, uh, what they call a weed whacker weapon that we used, and I, along with the director, uh, went to a hardware store and we picked that out because the guy said, I said, what is that used for? I've never seen a uh, tool like that. And he said, it's used for trimming limbs. I, <laughs> perfect. We think we're getting your average Jason movie at the beginning, right? Young woman driving out to Crystal Lake, setting up a cabin, replacing some light bulbs. It looks like she's just getting the place ready for when the rest of her young adult friends show up to be victims, right? Is that what you got? 
Because I just got her changing a light bulb and hopping in the shower. Yeah, that's what happens. And you kind of get something as weird when she, all she has is a toothbrush and toothpaste. We get a little bit of nudity from her. And then she hears a noise when the lights go out. She goes outside to investigate. And Jason's there. There he is. First 30 seconds of this movie, Jason shows up. And he looks a little weird. Right, guys? It's not a skull anymore. The, the hockey mask is just strapped to a brain. It and, looks like. And his weird, goopy jack-o'-lantern face. Yeah. He looks a little bit different now. I don't like it. What happens to superheroes in comic books when they encounter toxic waste or radiated runoff? They develop superpowers, right? They change. Their physical appearance changes. They become superhuman. He was I'm already call superhuman. You out. I'm going to have to call you out right now. Just the way you said it pissed me off. You said, what happens to superheroes when they come into contact with that stuff? They're not superheroes yet. They're just regular guys coming into contact with that stuff and becoming superheroes. Okay. Just the way you said it. I'm sorry. That's fine. Okay, yes. There you got me on technicality. Good. Digging deep. Have to dig deep to get me. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But so has this happened to Jason. He's been floating around in some goop for a long time in New York. He's finally made his way back to Crystal Lake. He's had some transformations. His head's a little bulbous. Yeah, how do you go from a melted head and body to a much larger head and body? Well, have you ever taken a textbook and dipped it in water and let it dry? It doubles in size. It doubles in size. The pages become warped. It doubles inside. It thickens up. It starts to rot a little bit. You're comparing Jason Voorhees to paper. Well, to like a soaked book, to anything that's been soaked, especially in toxic waste. So a little bit of hair has grown. His head looks a little bit more bulbous. He looks thick. Let's be honest. He looks pretty thick. A lot of water weight. Toxic waste weight? Mm-hmm. Toxic <laughs> waste weight. That's right. And he swipes at Elizabeth, or this young girl that this is This is the, the shit that you take notes about? What? Oh, he looks a little chubby around his mask. Scribble, 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 scribble. Oh, some sort of something happened to him. Yeah, well, I was like, why is he mutated look so his, different? his head. He got a little bit flabby there. Must have been toxic waste in the... Uh, in, in the river that he had to swim through. Exactly. Right? With Manhattan, with New York, right? Yeah, there's shit going on underneath there. He did go in the subway system. Stuff happened down there. Apparently every night at midnight they flush the sewer system with toxic waste. Acidic so, toxic waste. So how many toxic waste baths did he take? So he's taken some damage now. He takes a swipe at this young woman, Elizabeth. She falls over the railing, hits the table, and gets up. Hey, One's outside. Falling off a balcony into a table was enough to kill other people in other Friday the 13th movies. So maybe the superhuman in all this is Agent Elizabeth Marcus. Right? Well, we're already a little bit suspicious of her. Now she survives this fall on the table pretty well. She takes off outside and runs away, which is usually not what these women do. They usually run to like a closet or something. Mm-hmm. She professionally leaps over the hood of the car. So already, me not remembering this movie at all, I was like, something doesn't feel right here. She takes off into the woods, still manages to trip. Over nothing. Yep. Still got to have one of those, no matter what. It's, I don't know if that's the director just being like, well, you got to have them fall down. That's just a staple. Or if it's a producer going, you have to have them fall down and everyone else rolling their eyes. It wouldn't feel like a Jason chase unless the woman fell down. That's true. But once she gets into the clearing, then suddenly this movie... 
shows us why it's different. Because we think she's just going to get chopped up like they always do. They, they always tend to lose track of Jason even though they were running away from him. All they have to do is just keep running. But they stop and look around. You think she's going to get it. A bunch of fucking stadium lights turn on. <laughs> she ducks off into the bushes. A bunch of military guys in camo come out. And suddenly there is an entire army force shooting Jason down. An entire FBI squad has been hunting Jason once they were aware of his existence, and now they have finally captured him, and they explode him. They explode him. Uh, yeah, there's a re- very ridiculous firing squad where countless agents are pumping round after round after round into Jason's body, and then they decide to bring in the Air Force, I guess? Like, where are these bombs coming from? I, th- I think one guy just throws a grenade, and then the explosion from that grenade is very weird. Because well, it kind of like comes in two parts. Yeah, there's two different bombs, I guess. Because you can hear the whistle of a bomb coming down from the air. Like there's air support. Yeah, I don't know where the air support came from. Definitely there was a grenade thrown, which I expect is the one that completely blew him up into bits. And I actually, I, I like this scene. I like the way the bullets ricochet off his machete when it's all slow-mo. Wasn't a big fan of all the uh, adr Noise making from Jason. All the. <laughs> the only thing I liked about this scene was that I was wrong. That it surprised you. Running through the woods, I I called out. Movie within a movie. It's a movie scene. <laughs> when, <laughs> it's coming off new nightmare. Yeah, they're gonna have a camera and they're gonna say cut, and she's gonna say, "Oh shit!" And that's why her towel didn't fall off because it's a movie. That's a and good guess, actually. The lights came on, and I was like, ah, and then what yeah. the fuck is going on? A <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, movie within a movie? Movie within a movie? Oh my god. Nope, but I immediately jumped back on board because I was like, oh shit, he's going to hell right off the get go. Here we go. Gonna go down to hell. It's gonna be weird. They're gonna be, you know, doing some, some weird CGI down there. It's gonna be interesting. And then, oh, no, we're just gonna hang around Crystal Lake for this whole fucking movie, and he's never actually gonna go to hell. Okay. That's more like it. That's more like what I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we only get bonkers from here. Because this is a federal operation, Jason's body parts, his giblets, get flown to a federal morgue in Youngstown, Ohio. No federal morgues between New Jersey and Youngstown, Ohio. Not no. one in New York, no, this maybe. Is a, this is a top one in secret mission, Jonathan. Not one in Langley, Virginia, which would be closer. No. no. Youngstown, Ohio. Best place to take Jason's body parts. And we've got... They only call him the coroner. I Phil. hear... I hear the nerd guy call him Phil right mm-hmm. when he's about to die. So let's say Coroner Phil, he's the guy in charge of doing the autopsy on Jason's bits. He's got his body parts on the table. He's got a recorder out that he talks into. And that's what we get through our whole opening credits. The back and forth between the credits and him doing the autopsy. It, he doesn't like his job. Like when, okay, when he's doing the autopsy and, and talking in the microphone and all that shit, Eventually, we have another coroner come in that's really excited because they're in there with Jason Voorhees. Yeah, this is the highest profile case right? of their careers. Like, he should be pumped about this. Yeah. He's like, going to write some articles for some peer-reviewed journal. He's going to get notoriety in his deal. field. Exactly. I mean, this is the most high-profile dead body he will ever come across. And he's, he's bored. He's, he's cracking just, jokes. But we do learn that Jason is roughly 240 pounds. 
It's a lot of meat. We learned that his heart is twice the size of a normal heart. With a lot of fat. It's malformed with fatty deposits all over it and filled with some sort of bizarre black viscous fluid. And the coroner, um, as we're used to hearing the foreshadowing lines, the coroner says, this guy's deader than shit. Mm -hmm. And then he has it scratched from the record. Right. Right. Which lets us know that, of course, he's not deader than shit. Jason is never dead. Do we have to talk about this scene coming up? Do we have to? Even on the final Friday, this is the second time that they've claimed to be the final and they failed to come through on that. And yes, we have to talk about this scene. I love this scene. I love the way that the weight on the scale, the digital scale, changes, fluctuates as the heart beats. That's a nice little detail they could have easily forgotten about. I like the way that he becomes hypnotized by the beating heart and it starts to like call to him. Does it? Does it call to him? It does. He gets kind of he gets confused. Does, right. It doesn't say anything. He's just staring at a beating heart on a scale. Mm-hmm. And then, fuck it. I'm just gonna take a bite out of it. Yeah. But it gets all intense. You can tell that something weird is happening to him. And then he just grabs the heart and just bites right into it. Yeah. I couldn't tell that anything weird was happening to him. I just saw that the heart was beating on a scale, and then he decides, "Ah, eh, fuck it. Well, I wonder what that tastes like." Oh, it's too bad. I love this scene. And he's screaming. He's got the nice demonic scream. He's no, gagging. He roars like a lion. Heart. He's freaking out. In the meantime, in the hallway outside of the autopsy room is special appearance by Kane Hodder, playing one of the two security guards that are IDing everyone, all the scientists and uh, medical personnel that are coming down the hallway to work on Jason. And this is where we meet our nerdy coroner who is, looks like he's being bullied by these two guards, right? Yeah, kind of. You just saw me walk out of there. Why do you need to ID me again? Mm-hmm. And he's little and frail. He's the type of small little nerdy guy it didn't who gets come tickled that way by to frisking. Me. It didn't come across that way to me. They're just doing their job. Well, He's he doing said, their job, and this little bastard, this nerdy corner, he's giving them a hard time about it, not letting them do his job. So Right. Not, I, would thank not you, I would thank you to evaluate it the way that it really appears yes not surprised that you blame the victim gotcha <laughs> oh did we just gloss over the weird lights going into coroner phil's body after he eats the heart mm-hmm. yes yeah well the soul ejection does look like roman candles the soul insertion right transmogrification <laughs> juxtaposition soul transmogrification yes as the soul as jason's soul passes into coroner phil Via these Roman candle special effects from the early 90s. Um, the nerdy coroner walks in on this. He can't tell yet that, that the other coroner has been possessed. It is completely fucked up, just dripping blood from his mouth, leaning over the table. And he starts making jokes and threats at Jason's corpse. And not just fuck you and fuck you, you piece of shit for killing everybody. He wants to eloquently describe the shit that he wishes to excrete all over Jason's face. Why a mango size? A mango size. Is that big? painful. I mean, papaya size is huge. Why mango? Like he hates Jason so much that he would destroy his own anus with a mango size dump just to show his distaste for him. But this movie makes a big deal about how if you just avoid insulting Jason, you might survive. 
But they, since he's gone and described this eloquent shit that he wants to take all over Jason's face, there's nothing left but for new Jason to murder him and make him pay. You kind of do get that impression, right? Like, if you just keep your mouth shut when Jason's around, he's not going to do anything to you. Yeah, he has right? a mission in this movie. It's to get back to Crystal Lake. His body has finally, after nine movies, gotten so fucked up it can't handle any more damage. And he's out to find someone in his bloodline through which he can be reborn, a.k.a. Dream Child. And after he kills this nerdy corner by slamming his face in the table so hard that he pushes chunks of his face through the metal mesh. What was the point of the probe? Like, didn't he, like, hit, like, probe in the back of the head to push him down? Yeah, I think he just stabbed that probe into the back of his skull. Uh, as As Corner Phil leaves the room, we see that every time someone is possessed by Jason walks in front of a mirror... Their reflection is that of Jason and not of themselves. That's how we are able to keep track if their dead stares and murderous rampage weren't enough. And on his way out, another example how if they had just been nice, if they had just been like, hey, later, Coroner Phil. But they end up calling Jason a pussy. Or more specifically, Kane Hodder, the man who plays Jason, calls himself a pussy. Then gets murdered by himself. You know, would have figured Kane Hodder had a higher self-esteem. Did you know that was Kane Hodder, Nathan? The man in the permed mullet? I don't I don't think that's a thing. I think he just sees you and kills you. No, he this was walking this, right this by up until now. I know, but I'm saying in those the past, guys those security behavior, guards could have gone home nothing to about fuck their perm mullet wives. Behavior in all the other fucking movies says that you get to be all you get to stay alive as long as you just mind your own business. Breaking oh look, rules. there's there's Jason. Mm-hmm. Minding my own business, everything's going to be fine. No, seven movies said differently. Yes, he went. He went to Manhattan. There was too many people to kill. Maybe he started to shift his perception a little bit. I'm willing to be open-minded about it, but it's not a thing. And when I hear you say that's a thing that Jason does, seven movies speak to the contrary. So no, it may no. be a new thing that he's developed yes, recently. Yes, new thing. It is a new oh, thing. Oh, yo, you're, you're jumping on board now with my new thing idea? Well, no, you just assumed to put the worst into whatever I said like you usually do and then went with it. You make as many assumptions as I do about Jason as you do about me. Now. That's not true. This is a new... That's not true. I sit here drenched in silence listening to you assholes jibber-jabber. And when something pisses me off, I tell you that it pisses me off and I give you the reason why. And it's very thought out and it's very intelligent and it's, it usually speaks to the truth. And it does. This is a new characteristic because now in this film, priorities have changed. Before, it was just kill, kill, kill. Now it's I need a new body. Right? So only those that get in the way are going to deserve it unless you also insult him. Why does he need a new body? I didn't understand that about this movie. Well, one, his body is done. It's been blown to bits, so that no. body's over with. No, 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 no. Buddy ate his heart in a very disturbing, very awkward scene that I don't understand why he ate his heart. Because you got to get that black viscous like, fluid inside of you. Yeah. I know, the black viscous fluid, and it's speaking to him, right? Yeah, it's whispering I don't, I don't sweet nothing in his ear. And he just, uh, oh, I'm just going to bite into it. When he did that, I was like, what the fuck? Why? It was why calling him to eat it. <sighs> Whatever. You can see, Bullshit. I know okay. what happened here. Nathan, you weren't paying mm. attention. Jonathan, you were taking notes. <laughs> no, I'm not going to let you tell me that there's a perfectly good reason why he dove 
into that thing with his teeth because it told him to he didn't just was he was just doing an autopsy and then said i'm gonna eat this heart Fuck that's what it came across he started to beat there was an intense okay. like three minute scene where it's calling there. out to him and the music changes and his eyes glaze over he starts to look yeah. at it and mouth okay, words fine. to himself you know what no we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna hit pause here for a minute because i need to get something off my chest there are people in this world daniel they're called normal people and when they watch movies like this and things like this happen, they say, what the fuck is going on? And then there's the other people, the people that watched all of these fucked up movies when they were eight or nine years old. And those people go, yeah, sure, I'm on board. Yeah, okay. That works. Yeah, but you're not looking for a hundred years of history as to why this might be happening right now at this moment. You're asking, why did this man eat this heart? The heart told him to eat it. Basically, every other fucking movie that you watch that isn't a horror genre movie, you'd be like, no, not buying it. Horror movie doesn't matter what it is. Heart beating and speaking to its. Yeah. Why other person in the scene with with beats? Why are we still black viscous fluid? Why are we still judging these movies against movies? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You guys haven't hopped on the like very specific and separate horror genre system yet. I I really appreciated the homage to Poe right here. The Telltale Heart. Telltale is exactly what it is. It's an homage to Poe, Nathan. Oh, the poetry of it. (laughs) Exactly. I I can't... I don't know, something about it I just can't sink my teeth into. (laughs) Anyway... Right. My point with the other part of the scene, before I had to backtrack and talk about this ridiculous heart-eating business, is okay. All right. We've moved past that. The heart has some somehow become parasitic and occupied this man's body. And he is now, you know, filled with Jason. With mm-hmm. his spirit or his entity. He's such a stud. Whatever you want to talk about. No, he's not a stud anymore. <laughs> he's not a stud anymore. J- Jason's filling up everybody. <laughs> Making yeah, everybody into studs. He's performing whatever. his studly duties. He's just, yeah, he's spreading like a virus. Spreading the seeds. Yes. All right. This is like the Voorhees virus. That's what this is. Anyway, um, my, my whole point here is why does he need, like, okay, he's got this new body, right? Why does he need to change from that body to another body? Because, well, why? Cretan Duke explains this later in the film. <sighs> is that the only bodies that are stable enough to handle the impressive soul power of Jason is bodies containing his own genetic heritage. So bodies without his <sighs> genetic heritage only serve as rapidly decaying vessels that this must be This is actually swapped. explained yeah. in this way? Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. Okay. They've Continue. explained it away. See... What would you guys do without me to sit here and act like I don't know anything about the movie? Well, huh? don't no, act like you don't know anything. Just, <laughs> <laughs> so, so according to American Case File, there have only been 83 confirmed murders. Have we added up all the murders? Yes. This is why I say this movie has done its research. One, Jason was born 1946 to Elias and Pamela Voorhees. Two, Jason did presumably die of drowning at age 11 in 1957 and then didn't actually drown and escaped into the woods to live as a feral child until his 30s. That's what this movie takes as the accepted route of Jason's life, and that is my accepted interpretation of Jason's life. 
So I was happy to see that because Jason 8 went the other direction and claimed that he has been supernatural since birth. Okay, two. 83 confirmed murders from Jason. It's close enough to our count that means that they bothered to look. We have 79 or 80. That's because we have a couple of people thrown out windows that we didn't believe died. A couple of people thrown into pipes we didn't believe died. That's why ours is a little bit shorter. But they bothered to look, you can tell. Now, in this American Case Files, this television show within a movie, hosted by Robert Campbell, Robert is describing to us how Creighton Duke, this... (laughs) nationally famous black Jason bounty or serial killer bounty hunter who dresses like he's in 1885 who has a huge compound training facility has his own bounty hunter training facility is doing this secret interview this one-off to let them know that Jason's not actually dead that Jason wears bodies like meat suits and that he is the only one that actually knows how to kill Jason for real, and he'll do it for a clean 500 grand. How does he know? If you were anybody, wouldn't you think this guy was a scam artist? Absolutely. How would you know? So, what's his name? Robert Campbell looks at the screen and says, Well, there have been a a trail of murders from the Youngstown Federal Morgue all the way back to Crystal Lake. Mm -hmm. And so... For the sake of American safety and national security, we're going to put up the half million dollars. I love what Duke says when Robert goes, okay, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I mention Jason Voorhees? And he says it's the image of a little girl in a pink dress putting a hot dog through a donut. (laughs) What? This guy's a fucking psycho, and you're going to give him a half million dollars. Yes, this man is obviously insane, and they should have walked away with Robert Campbell apologizing to his producers on the phone. Yeah. Sorry I wasted your money. This mm-hmm. is worthless. And how does he know? How does he know? He also has a line later in this movie where he talks to Jason, and he's like, remember me, bitch? From where? And I had to go research to find out why. And that's because there is a backstory involving Creighton Duke where Jason killed his sister in one of the previous movies. Oh, was he like, uh, what's his name's girlfriend in the van? The, hey, baby. Hey, is, baby. Is that Creighton Duke's sister? Maybe. He's like some fucker demon, demon stole my girlfriend <laughs> or my sister. But that's exactly what it is in part four, isn't it? That Jason bounty hunter in part four, the guy yeah. with all the tools. His sister also got killed in part two or something. That was part four? Yeah. So here we have another, in the same movie that also used final inappropriately, we also have the (laughs) bounty hunter story rehashed. Fucking amazing. Like, amazing in an offensively terrible way is what I mean. But I love it because it is so much so. You guys remember that guy that died in part three? Which one? Or was it part five? Or was it part six or seven or eight? Or any of these fucking movies. They're all the same. Come on, let's go. Pick a pace. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Killing me. And <sighs> Creighton Duke is a foul-mouthed piece of shit. He is a big piece of shit. He's a dick. I mean, how dare he talk to some small-town waitress the way that he did? Yep. Because that's where we go to next, right? We go back to Crystal Lake, to the diner, Joey B's diner, 
on Crystal Lake, and we're introduced to Diana, which is one of the waitresses, and a little bit older. Yep, but hold on. We also learn that they're making, they're taking advantage of this Jason is dead hype. They've got a two for one burger sale in celebration of Jason's death to take advantage of all the tourists who must be coming to Crystal Lake. To why wouldn't you? Right from not any, not from people in Crystal Lake not even knowing about Jason to the entire nation knowing about Jason in one film. That's what New Line brings is public awareness. <laughs> two Jason burgers. Well, to be fair, you can tell through the Freddy movies that New Line is real big on PSAs. So, here you go. Mm-hmm. Spreading the Jason Voorhees awareness throughout the country. Yep. And throughout the world. And while you're here, why don't you get a Jason burger and some Jason fingers? Or some Voorhees burger and Jason fingers? That's what it is. It's a Voorhees yeah. burger, right? Joey, the obese woman who owns this diner, has to go show her son how to make proper hockey mask-shaped burger patties. I also learned, just as a businessman, that if I, that two for one deals are scams. Yeah, total scams. Because all <laughs> you're doing is knocking the meat out of one patty and making another patty with it. Yeah. I get the impression that all two for one deals work in a similar fashion. And Joey, the obese woman who owns this diner, wasn't wearing any gloves oh, no. at all. I, I, oh. Just handles that raw meat. And then there is a tiny man. Who was a chef back there or a cook? Shelby. Yes. Now, what is his? Pookie. I think I know. Yeah. Yeah. She refers to him as Pookie. That's her little. But we, you've seen this guy before, right? Have you seen that little guy before? Nathan, have you seen this little guy before? Yes. Yes. Okay. He should be the only recognizable person in this movie. He's in Will of Grace. Except for maybe the corner at the beginning. I've seen the corner before. Yeah. But this guy as well. This guy's name is uh, Leslie Jordan. He's been in. Every, he's played an effeminate, tiny man gay character in every television show since 1986. He won for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series for Will and Grace. Yep. He was in Will and Grace for a while. He was most recently in The Help, American Horror Story, American Dad, and the breakout LGBT hit, Eating Out 3, All You Can Eat. Uh, mm, nothing but shiny abs on that video cover. Oh, my God. Mm. Some two-for-one Voorhees burgers. Right. But this is where Duke acts like such a big dick. Because he's there under the guise guise of getting a a Voorhees burger and some Jason fingers. But really, it's just so that he can talk with Diana. And he doesn't really even come across like he's interested in talking to Diana. No, he more just wants to, like, harass her. Right. If he wanted to get Diana on board, there's probably a better way to do it than to... uh, Tell her boyfriend that, hey, maybe when she's done sucking my dick, you can go next, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just I be nice. I picture both of you getting nerdy and getting too much enjoyment out of the whole Voorhees burger thing. I picture both of you, like, snicker laughing. <laughs> Voorhees burgers. <laughs> but Duke is a big dick right here. He doesn't even ask her, like, hey, I know that you have some sort of weird connection to Jason. I know he's not dead. You know he's not dead. Can we work together somehow to take this beast out and take him to hell? Instead, he just acts like a prick. Yep. Let's just go ahead and break it now. She's Jason's sister. Diana. That's Jason's sister. Full sister, half sister, we're not sure, but sister. Hey, just because it's his sister doesn't mean that she was born on the same day. 
No, no, no. But she'd be roughly within 10 years, I imagine, of Jason. So she's probably right around her 50s, especially if she has a daughter who also has a daughter. Yeah, I mean, she'd have to mm. be, right? Because Pamela Voorhees, the mom, went fucking nuts right after Jason died in 57. So she'd have to be born sometime before 57. Right. If she's a full sister. If she's a full sister. I I have a... An, a feeling in the back of my mind that Elias Voorhees might have dipped off to the side. I think Elias Voorhees got the fuck out of town the minute he saw Pamela lose her shit over Jason. I think that this is from a different wife altogether. But I think you're right. I think Elias got tired of coming home every day and seeing his wa- his wife by the window staring at the lake and being like, they should have been paying attention. <laughs> Where's Ralph when you need him? Mm-hmm. Seems like this movie is just ripe for Ralph. Who's Ralph? The crazy guy who would like... Oh, crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah, no dude character. No, not, they usually... I feel like every other Jason film tries to fit one in. I mean, a, it's... A new Doom it Prophet. It seems like Creighton Duke is the Doom Prophet, but that doesn't fit the mold. New Line, new line doesn't care about molds. They care about trailblazing. Yep. And... Demon babies. Lots of demon babies. Okay, so I'm already lost. Where are we at? Uh, we're at the diner. Duke has just threatened Diana and Ed. That's right. And has gotten himself arrested. Ed calls in young Randy. Randy takes him off or escorts him outside. You know, we, uh, we assume he's going to jail. After that happens, that drama happens, Diana sits down at the bar next to a man called Stephen who, through their conversation, we come to understand that Stephen used to date her daughter Jessica back in the day, but not anymore, but she wants Stephen to come by her house later on tonight so she can tell him something very important about her daughter. Yeah, they don't even let you know that they dated back in the day. It was just, hey, come by my house tonight at 11. Right? Almost like she's the kind of mom that wants to fuck her daughter's boyfriends. Right. Yeah. Stephen's driving his car down the street. It's late at night. He's probably heading over to Diana's house. And he picks up some hitchhikers, random hitchhikers that don't even get names, really. He picks up two women and a man, and they're in the car with him for 90 seconds. He cracks a joke about them going out there to camp and that they might get killed for doing drugs. Slaughtered. More than than just killed, fucking slaughtered. Yes. And if you were those hitchhikers, would you be terrified that Steven was going to kill you? (laughs) That's how it comes across, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. you you guys going to smoke some dope and have some premarital sex, and then maybe I'll slaughter you? And they've been in the car for maybe a minute and a half. They get dropped off. And that redhead girl in the front seat is hot to trot for Steven. She wants him to come and join them and go skinny dipping. <laughs> Could have been anybody. She didn't want to end up doing what she had to do later. Which is sleep oh, alone by ahead. the fire. Take, take the tent. I'm okay out here by <laughs> myself. Yeah. Masturbate by yourself in the sleeping bag? No, I don't want to come back in after half an hour and sleep in your sex puddle. And it's all right. I'll sleep here by the fire. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking. I was thinking about the mess in the tent. Yeah, the, yeah, cl- the chlamydia sponge. Like, there's condensation on the tent walls. But anyone notice that they were there to go skinny dipping, but they didn't take their clothes off until they got back to the fire? Anyone notice that his shorts weren't wet at all? Exactly. Or that we got male nudity? A little weird. Haven't seen that for a while. Let's go back to the redhead. Smallest boobies in a Jason movie. Are they? I would say so. They're nice. I feel like we've gotten smaller. Um, no, the agent at the beginning was decent. It was pretty good. 
Age in the beginning, she had nice. I mean, breasts. she's not Tina. No, 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 no. <laughs> she, she's no Tina. No. We're probably not going to get a Tina again, to be quite honest. I hate these movies. I'm done. I'm done. No more <laughs> Tinas. But those are '80s tits. You don't get those kind of tits anymore. Two weird things happen in the scene when they're camping. One, the dark-haired girl and the dude go off in the tent to fuck. The red-haired girl lays down by the fire to go to sleep, but she has to go pee first. She goes off into the woods. Daniel counted how quickly she peed, by the way. Yes. Just so Why? you know how serious I am about these films. Why? Hey, hey, Nate, Nate, Why over, would you do Nate, that? Over under eight seconds. I don't want to fucking do an over <laughs> under on peeing. Don't make it about sports to drag me into it. I'm not going to do it. And then she gets murdered. The coroner comes out of the woods, slashes her up with a knife or a screwdriver or a scalpel. I'm not exactly sure what it was. A tool from the morgue, right? Yeah. Didn't get a good read on it. Um, she's dead. We go back to the dark-haired girl fucking the dude in the tent. She also needs to go pee, and she's going to use the opportunity to look for a condom. Of which he wants no part of. Uh-huh. Yo, he plays it so dumb with that condom. It's great. He's just like, what? He doesn't understand how to open it or how to use it or what it's for. I don't know what this is. She goes, takes a piss in the exact same spot as her friend. An even shorter piss. Nathan, over under four seconds. Also no wipe. Just to be clear, first girl was six seconds. This girl's three. Um, (laughs) But what was cool was as the camera pans back to the tent, you see the redheaded girl pinned up against the tree. Yes. So nice to bring that back. It is. At least we get to see the dead body, right? So we can counter as one of our body count. Girl goes back in the tent, easily swayed by the condom thing. He's like, duh, what is this? Do I put it on my face? And she's like, oh, whatever. Let's just not use it. They start fucking. That's not what he does. (laughs) You just dress that up to be so much cooler than it is. He's like, I don't like these. And she's like, oh, okay. I don't like the way this feels. (laughs) Just a standard guy trying to avoid, you know. Look, he wants to feel sex, all right? You can't fault him for that. But we get a brutal death here. Oh, do you guys want to know something? Uh, Okay. Uh Uh-oh. Top ten horror movie scenes that will scare you away from sex. This scene made the cut. This scene is, in fact, number seven. On the top 10 movies that will scare you away, or top 10 horror movie scenes that will scare you away from sex. I feel that if he had put on the condom, they wouldn't have died. I feel like this could have been another movie PSA, Mm -hmm. like how Freddy's Dead is all anti-drugs, marijuana specifically. This one is anti-unprotected sex. Yes, because they... They go out of their way to show Coroner Jason stepping on the unused condom mm-hmm. before he jams a tent pole through dark-haired girl's torso. Which she just threw the condom in the tent. Yeah. How did it end up? Did she grab two from the bag and one fell? Yes. Is that it? She must have thought that she grabbed one. She grabbed two. One dropped on the ground on the way to the tent. The other one is inside the tent. Of course. Sure. Yeah, wild assumptions abound. Yes, there's more than one condom. They're strewn about all over the place. Carry on. Yep. But she takes the tent pole through her torso, and by the way that they show him jerking that pole upward... He was cutting her in half with that... I guess, with right? That pole. Basically tears her in half with it. Now, I think the the guy survived. 
It doesn't show him dying. Doesn't show him dying, and then it shows Coroner Jason taking off as quick as possible afterwards. Right. So as long as he didn't call Jason a pussy, he's probably still alive. Diana, we go back to Diana at the diner. It's late at night. She's getting ready to leave. She's doing her nightly chores, I imagine, which involve feeding the neighborly alley dog Tango. Seems like that's something she does all the time, which doesn't matter at all, except it brings us to Josh. Brings us to Josh. Josh is another police officer on the force, friends with her boyfriend, Eddie. He scares the shit out of her. Trope scare. Super trope scare. Uh, They have a little discussion where he's like, hey, why don't you back off, Ed? And I know you guys are in your 50s and your boyfriend and girlfriend, and it's kind of weird and awkward, but whatever. Look, you're old enough to the point where you can stop playing games. Just be nice to each other and be together. You don't have many years left. After she takes off to go finish off whatever she's doing, Josh's girlfriend, fiance, wife, one of the significant other, someone that he has sex with, shows up in their car. They are dying to fuck each other but they're late for their bowling bowling tournament bowling tournament got moved up to 10 30 that's right he's getting in the passenger side of the car she's getting in the driver's side of the car coroner jason comes out and just crushes her skull with the car door (laughs) now i brought this up to jonathan nathan is this the quickest that a character has been introduced and then murdered Mm. um i i i I'd have to say it's probably in the running. I don't recall any others that were that... Because it's fast, fast. right? She basically, like... Yeah, it's very fast. The only other one that I can think of that that compares is uh, Snow Flurries' girlfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Because she's introduced at the diner. We see her tits for no Mm. reason. At least we get to see her tits, though, right? I wouldn't want to see this other one. She's in more than one scene, though. This is just one scene, isn't it? Yeah, I think this might be the quickest. It's She pretty much gets two lines, and then in the same scene of which she gets out of her car, she gets killed in that car. Yeah. There's just so many. There's just so many deaths, you know? Well, there's at it's least very 80. easy to get wrapped up in all the you know, meticulous details and depth of these movies. There's so it many. It takes a true, so mature many. professional to keep track of them all. Uh, yeah, totally. I agree. Which is why having Daniel do this is quite the godsend. Because nobody else would put such attention to detail. Why is Officer Josh naked strapped to a table? Mm. Because he has to be put through this elaborate soul transmogrification ceremony. And... It's so matter of fact. Yeah, and and well, that's simple. It's because he has to go through this uh, soul transmogrification uh, ceremony. Because he goes through it so many other times as well. But yeah, well, what? no, it's a, yeah, no, it's it's established here as a part of the ritual that Jason does um, when what? he, or sorry, when the entity or the spirit of Jason needs to take over a new body because. Um, the current body is starting to uh, wilt yeah. un- under the pressure or and, under the weight and, and of Jason's part, energy. Part exactly. of that transmogrification ceremony is, Say it like you're not drunk. Is that, that transmogrification <laughs> ceremony is the shaving ritual. Yes. That's the odd what? part. Yeah. Well, one, he's got him naked and then tied with leather straps mm. to a table. Yeah, the shaving is definitely the odd part of this. Did Pookie write this part? I think Pookie did. 
because yeah, the shaving part is weird because he goes, he seems ready. He seems like, okay, I'm going to pass my soul demon on into your mouth from my mouth. And then he's like, gets close. And he's like, oh, wait, no, 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 wait. I don't like this mustache. And then he puts a bunch of shaving cream all over him, shaves his neck, shaves his mustache off, and then completes transferring the demon snake soul form into his new body home host. <laughs> but the shaving is kind of weird. So is the elaborate strapping of the table, because later on in the movie, all we know is that you just have to match mouths. Yeah, Jason just takes over all these different bodies and you have a whole bunch of men making out with each other i think we can only assume that this particular ceremony is so elaborate because as an autopsy doctor the original coroner phil is probably battling mentally with jason inside of his own body so the hardest set parts the most muscle memory set parts aka his medical rituals he goes through in the autopsy room would be the ones most prevalent to carry over during a body possession, right? No. Nope. So Jason just wants to shove this snake in this guy's mouth, but the battling part of the actual corner is like, no, let's do this like professionals. We'll clean him up, shave him down, and then we'll pass our soul into him. Nope. I like it. I'm on board. You're on board? I'm the yeah. only one that's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Okay, now we get to meet Diana's daughter, Jessica. Jessica does not live in Crystal Lake anymore. She has left this town a long time ago for some reason. We learned that uh, Stephen is the father of her baby, but they haven't been together for a long time. Now she's dating that guy, Robert, that hosts that American Case Files show that we saw earlier in the movie. That's her big surprise to her mom, is that she's going to bring her big celebrity boyfriend back home to Crystal Lake for a visit. Yep. Diana, in the meantime, is expecting Stephen to come by and visit... Joss has just showed up with his newly possessed form. He looks weird because he doesn't have his mustache anymore. And he just bursts into Diana's place while she's talking on the phone, hangs up the phone for her, and then they immediately get into a struggle. Weird thing is that Jessica is smart enough to not just go, oh, weird, my mom hung up on me. Okay, whatever, let's go eat dinner. Mm -hmm. She actually takes the time to call the sheriff in Crystal Lake and let them know that something weird is happening, which is odd that they took the time to add that scene in when i'm sure other scenes were cut out shows that she's smart yep and we should we learn that diana is also strong because as soon as she starts getting strangled by this cop josh she's kind of freaked out she looks in the mirror sees that it's actually jason because we've learned that mirrors reflect jason's actual form despite whose body he's inside of and she pulls a gun out of the desk and just blows his brains out seems like that would be the end of it Right. If this were if these were zombies, that'd be the end of it. But this is Friday the thirteenth, part nine, Jason's Dark Heart. <laughs> and only the heart is the vulnerable piece. And then a tear up from that, the heart is only vulnerable to a Voorhees blooded individual. You know, I was really hoping we would get down to the point where Stephanie the baby needs to kill him. Right? So like maybe Creighton Duke would have the knife in Stephanie's hand and like holding it. Uh-huh. He yeah. has like guide her like, hand. Yeah. Oh, I was kind of hoping that Daniel would interpret all these things and that it would affect him the same way that it affected me. You know? With okay, so overwhelming we need joy to kill him in his heart and it has to be a Voorhees. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He needs to be reborn inside of a Voorhees vessel. 
Yes. And then be killed through the heart by a Voorhees just to be killed. And I wish that it would have been more like this. Are you ready? Wait. He has to be... Wait a minute. He has to take possession. No, wait a minute. His heart has to take... Wait a minute. His entity... His wait, Okay, it's more like his spirit, but it stems from his heart, and it has to infil- like, pa- like parasitically um, take over a, a, a person... It has to be a, okay. It has to be a Voorhees <laughs> body, and it has okay. Another Voorhees descendant has to kill through the heart. Through through the heart. Well, yes, yeah, so the heart is key, but there are there are multiple stages of which the evil demonic presence exists within these bodies. So no, what we quit need saying it's so matter of factly. Okay, it's fucking stupid. No, what we need ultimately is Jason in his original form to somehow take this special magical dagger and kill himself in the heart. That's what Ooh, we need. That's a good one. Suicide, hey? Well, anybody. any As long as it's a Voorhees blood individual. It could also be... I guess Jason could kill himself, right? If he, like, fell on the... Mm. No, 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 no. no. Because, it, because it, if it he's possessing be... a different body, there's no blood there. There's no Voorhees blood running through that... It's a parasitic. Right. So he can only kill himself host. in his original form. In his original Leeching, form. Surviving. There's some bodies that can't even handle it. We see that later when he leaves a body and the body just crumples and melts into nonsense because it couldn't couldn't take it. It couldn't exactly. pack it. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Just too and much now, power. Just too much power. Depending on how long Jason has embodied these individuals during these uh, stepping stone possessions depends on how long the evil inside of him has had a chance to gestate into a physical tangible demonic being because what starts out as black viscous fluid eventually becomes a demon snake eventually becomes a demon baby and it's a matter of getting that into somebody else before it literally tears you apart nice very well done right oh and then steven does in this scene what steven does throughout the rest of the movie maybe a dozen times which is burst into a room and save the day. And also fuck the day. <laughs> One after the other. And S- Stephen comes in, because he was supposed to be there anyway. He was there for his talk. He sees that Josh has Diana all on the ground, and he's strangling her. He tackles Josh. They fight around for a while. Through all this chaos, Josh gets a chance to grab a knife from the kitchen and throw it into Diana's back. Stephen takes his opportunity to take a hot poker. Not a hot poker. Or just, just a, a poker. poker. Jam it through... Josh slash Jason's Jason, Josh slash Jason's body. Jathan, <laughs> Jathan, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this, I'm this gonna say a couple. Dictator gonna, slash hey. fascist slash whore lover. Jonathan, sir, I'm gonna say a couple of words to you, and I want you to say the first thing that comes into your mind. Okay, Jason Voorhees. Ah, oh, see. Now, that's a complicated one, because what comes into my mind first is a little girl in a pink dress just taking a hot dog and pushing it through a donut. donut. Jinx. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Were you reading it? No. Were you? Oh, that's awesome. Good work. Did I actually, <laughs> I just, did I actually I have that memorized? Yeah, no, that's pretty much spot on. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Hot dog. I love that you said donut. okay. It's great. Anyway. <clears throat> Josh's impaled body 
falls to the window outside on the ground. Ed comes in, assumes that Stephen has killed his girlfriend. They look Ed's out the window. Right, yeah, it looks bad. He's got blood all over his hands. Look outside. Josh's body is missing. So there goes that alibi. And so the only thing left to do is just to take Stephen into jail. Stephen? Stephen. <laughs> Stephen and Jaish. Taking Jaish and Stephen into jail. Jathan? Into jail. <laughs> now, the movie handles this next part kind of weird because... Jessica's mom has been brutally murdered during her trip down to Crystal Lake to come mm-hmm. and visit. And she shows up at her mom's house and catches her friend Vicky cleaning this huge blood stain. And we're not sure if she already knows that her mom is dead or if this is her first time learning about it. So another assumption is she walks into the house in a black dress like she just got back from the funeral. Okay. So this yeah this is the new lion universe where funerals happen 12 hours after deaths. Right. Right. And all the time. Yeah. And all they just the put your bodies, you know, however grave. you chronologically died. Yeah. Mhm. But it's okay because they're distracted by cute cute adorable baby Stephanie. Right? Oh. Here's the tiniest little Voorhees blood genetic host. The cutest thing on God's green earth. Mhm. Pookie loves Stephanie. And they get caught up in the baby, and that's what distracts them from uh, the gruesome blood stain on the carpet. And uh, they rehash old times. And she lets her know that Stephen, her ex-boyfriend, the father of her baby, might be in jail because he could have possibly killed her mom. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and over at the jail, Stephen is being moved to a new cell. He catches a glimpse of Jessica and his baby walking into the prison. Before he gets put into a cell next to... Crime dog. Yes. I don't know why that makes sense, but that makes sense. Is that is it racist? Uh, no, that's the nickname. Was it of... racist for me to ask if it was racist? Uh, yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> nope. I was just you know thinking... what, Jonathan? Suck it. Suck it. What? You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to take a crap on your fucking mask. <laughs> <laughs> A big old mango-sized crap. <laughs> and that's why you're going to die with a probe in the back of your head. It's fine. Mm, it's okay. <laughs> it's worth it. <sighs> okay, Jessica is there to handle some bureaucratic paperwork involving her mom's death. And while she's doing this, she just hands off her baby to her friend Vicky to go babysit at the diner. As you do. I mean, she hadn't seen Vicky in how many years? Yeah. Just hand Vicky, hand little Stephanie off to a stranger. Hey, take my baby and go put it in a box somewhere in the storeroom. <laughs> Hopefully on a table. Yeah. <laughs> now, while that's happening, we learn that Duke is a sadistic motherfucker. He's fucking sociopath. Just crazy. Yes. Crazy fucking guy. He lures Steve into conversation by letting him know that, hey... I know you didn't actually kill that woman. I know it was Jason inside of another person's body that killed that woman. And I know how you can kill Jason, but it's going to cost you. You willing to pay the price? Yes. (laughs) There is this unknown price that Stephen has to pay for this secret information, and it involves having his hand held in a prison. Always a good sign. Turns out Duke just loves breaking fingers. (laughs) And that's what his price is for a tiny bit of information that could be a complete con. We don't really know. How this black cowboy knows anything about the Jason lineage at all, we're unsure. 
but he claims the knowledge and it costs broken fingers to get it. I think he's just pissed he's not getting his half million dollar bounty mm-hmm. and he needs to take it out on somebody. Exactly. He takes it out on this <laughs> frail little nerd boy with his mathlete jacket. Breaks one finger to tell him, uh, oh, you can only kill Jason by destroying his heart. And that only a Voorhees person can destroy his heart. Then he breaks another finger to get the information that it's Diana and Jessica and Stephanie that are the only ones left that have this blood. And that he needs to get into contact with them. He tells them a little Voorhees. He's, he always says this information as if it's an old rhyme like the Freddy lullaby, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's just some shit that he made up, and it doesn't even sound poetic when he says it. Through a Voorhees, through, through a Voorhees was he born. Through a Voorhees may he be reborn, and only by the hands of a Voorhees will he die. Right. Very well done. Good job, Nate. Yeah, very surprised you had that ready. I didn't hear any gorilla clacking for you, for you to get to that, so I'm... Thank you. I'm going to take a crap right on your fucking mask. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even give a straight face. Oh, fat ass, maggoty, blown up fuck. Yep. But we Suck this. We do get one moment of Duke, I guess, humanity. Because it looks like he's about to break Steven's whole arm to give no, him I a- can't take this right now. I got I to gotta interrupt. I got to interrupt for a second. Jesus, jumping Christmas. I gotta interrupt. <laughs> hey, that's a that's a homage to part uh, part what f- seven six. F- I don't know. Uh, yeah, I gotta interrupt for a minute because I want to just do a little shout out here to your bullshit at the beginning of this podcast, Daniel, talking about John McTiernan was offered the role and turned it down. Director. Okay, I'm just looking at John McTiernan. Okay, and motherfucker had directed The Hunt for Red October, Die Hard, and Predator when they came to him with (laughs) Jason 9. Yeah. Go fucking figure he turned it down. Turned down the role? That's like walking up to Ridley Scott with a plate full of shit and, like, spraying it with cologne or something and asking him to smell it. Yeah, they didn't say it was a long, drawn-out decision that he had difficult time making. They just said they asked him, and he probably gave them the finger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love how it says just they offered it to him, and he turned it down. <laughs> turned it. He turned it down to do Last Action Hero. No, he turned it down <laughs> because it was Jason 9. That's why he, he turned told it down. It, by turning it down, you mean he told them to go fuck themselves. They yeah. probably didn't even talk to him. They and, probably talked to his agent, and their his agent probably laughed in their face. Yeah, and good thing that he did turn it down, because he probably would have given us another Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh. And instead, we get this joyride full of new details, new stories, new heritages. <laughs> Fuck McTiernan. <laughs> I just needed to break in there because I I don't I didn't like how that was presented at, at the beginning. I was like sitting here looking at his at his oh, filmography, thinking apparently oh, he begged God. for the job and they just wouldn't let him. <laughs> <laughs> they decided to go a different route. Yeah. It's like look yeah. look. Predator was cute. Die Hard was okay at best. This is the Jason franchise. We can't let just anybody do it. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go do this last action hero bullshit? Who's in that Schwarzenegger? Come on. 
Mm-hmm. And the kid from the Circuit City commercials, really? Yeah. Eh, my you know girl. I, I'm, I'm going to go with this other guy. His name's his name's Adam. He, uh, what? Well, he, he's 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 actually what? How? What has he done? Well, he hasn't done a movie yet, but he's uh, he he interviewed very well. He comes across as a real go getter. You know, really maybe like you his. haven't heard of him yet, but you'll hear from, you'll you'll know about him when he's picking up his Oscar. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. I'll show you his demo tape. His well. Yeah. I know it's a demo tape. I know he hasn't done any movies, but I'll, you know, I'll just show you. you well, know. I know most of it's hardcore porn, but <laughs> and, and and he's the star in a lot of it. Yeah. Okay. Now that Stephen has all these broken fingers, he's going to use them as a ruse to escape jail. He calls his buddy Randy, the cop, in. Holds him hostage against the bars, takes his gun, points the gun at him, forces him to be let out, puts Randy in his place in jail, and now he's free to go and escape and take care of this Jason problem. Notice that he doesn't help Duke get out of jail. Or... Duke just broke his hand. Yeah, but wouldn't Fuck you... that guy. Wouldn't Why you want this guy to come fingers? help? What was the whole breaking finger thing? Why to does give that up information. He information... Knew he... It has a price. Yeah, he knew he had to. He had to know if he could trust Stephen or not. If Stephen actually had the balls to be a Jason Hunter, and after two broken fingers, oh, he's got those balls. Where's that guy from? He's so familiar. Creighton Duke. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's almost as familiar as that little little homosexual guy. Uh, yeah, he, was he is. An actor on Twenty One Jump Street. He was in the original Bru- uh, Blues Brothers. He was in the Twilight Zone movie. 14 episodes of the X-Files. Yeah, it might be it might be the X-Files. Well, I mean it was either that or the one episode he did of Suddenly Susan. <laughs> oh, no, but Suddenly Susan. Hmm. Mr. X. Okay, 14 episodes. Yeah, I think maybe it is the uh Yeah, yeah, you know? You know? Yeah. Yeah. 97 episodes of 21 Jump Street. Really? Mm-hmm. Was he the captain? Vicky takes baby Stephanie to the <laughs> diner. So what we're gonna do what we're gonna do here. We're gonna go ahead. We're gonna go ahead and get Daniel to continue on with the walkthrough. Daniel, you know, sometimes some of the stuff I do was not was not hard to get to. Um, I think maybe maybe it's because I'm kind of a uh, maybe a violent guy inside or something. To get to those violent points didn't take long, so. I would just do stuff that uh, that felt natural, and from each movie, I didn't really want to change it, even though the the setting might change. You know, New York, space, um, the evil going into other people. I kind of wanted to keep Jason constant. Each movie I did was a different makeup effects person, so they did their own design. People ask me, How, why does the makeup change so much from movie to movie, and the hockey mask changes and everything else? You know, basically it's because it's a different makeup effects person who designs it. And they don't necessarily stay true to the previous movie all the time, especially with the ones I did. When Vicky brings the baby into the diner, Joey wants nothing to do with the baby. Not only that, Joey is pissed that she's had to close her diner down for Diana's death. And I think she uses the word fuck to refer to that baby like eight times in that one scene. The baby's fucking disgusting. Get that fucking baby out of here. Put that fucking baby on the street. Then she gets a call from the police station saying that Steven is free. And she's like, eh, okay, let's not put the baby on the street. Instead, go put the baby in a small box on the 
edge of a counter in the storeroom and leave it there. Mm-hmm. Great parenting. Mm-hmm. And turns out Stephen is already hiding in the storeroom. He comes out, sneaks a little touch of his little baby. It's the first time he got to touch his baby. Guys. His baby. It's sentimental. This is his first time touching. Well, maybe it's not his first time touching a baby, but his <laughs> own baby. And Joey's fat son walks into the back and catches him. Ward. Ward. It's a great name for a fat kid, isn't it? But Ward's kind of nice about it. He is. Could have turned him in. Instead, gives this known felon his car to escape. Thank God he leaves the baby. Known felon, but at the same time, everybody knows Stephen. Mm-hmm. Come on. Do we have a Stephen going to the Voorhees estate yet? Yes, the Voorhees estate. We have extra family members in the Voorhees family. Now we have the Voorhees estate. Can you imagine cute little Jason, little eight-year-old Jason with his deformed face? He can't swim in his cute little dickies and suspenders, <laughs> his ruffled cuffs on his little sailor's outfit. Mm-hmm. Papa Voorhees looks like he had some money. This is a pretty big house to be down by the lake. It's definitely one of the bigger houses we've seen in these movies. It has its own Voorhees Estate sign out front. And this is where Stephen finds the Necromicon from... The Necronomicon. Necronomicon Mm -hmm. from Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. Yes. We have weird Evil Dead series, another new line cinema property, popping up in this Jason movie. So we've got the Necronomicon and the Skull Dagger from Evil Dead. We've got Freddy's glove at the very end. And we've got Jason running around. So we've got Jason, Freddy, and Evil Dead all being represented in this one movie. We know New Line has been trying to get a Freddy and Jason movie off the ground for years. Literally since New Blood. Was this a push for a triple crossover? Or did some props sneak into this movie as a joke and now we're trying to fit it into a bigger lore? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> triple crossover triple crossover yeah the book is just barely just looked over it's just an interesting side piece uh but why does pamela Voorhees have it i don't know is it trying to imply there's like some weird curse on the family maybe and that's why their children keep being born deformed maybe pamela Voorhees was involved with some kind of witchcraft but why is Steven even there? He's there because the Duke has told him that this the Voorhees family is involved in this whole trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And while he's there, he hears somebody else enters the house. He gets scared. He goes and hides in the closet, falls through the floor in the closet. In rops Robert Campbell, the host of American Case Files and boyfriend of Jessica. And he exposes himself to be fucking insane. Oh, this guy is evil. Yeah. Like, Duke, Duke is insane. Right? This guy is fucking evil. Mm, yeah. 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 Duke is like nonsense bonkers. Right. Can't really trust what he says. Wouldn't want to leave him by himself for too long. Right. Robert, truly evil. He has gone and stolen Diana's body from the morgue, put it in this house to make his expose on this house or his show more interesting. And he jokes over the phone uh, with his buddy that after he stole this woman's dead body, he went home and fucked her daughter. Ah, ah, ah. Brutal. That's some brutal evil shit. Yeah. Poor Jessica. So Duke is crazy in that he belongs in jail where we saw him, right? Robert is fucking evil where he belongs dead. Right. You know? That's that's the big distinction for me. Yeah. And because Robert's so evil, he gets to be the next vessel 
for Jason's demonic body hopping because Officer Josh walks in, gets Robert down on the table, pukes. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Mouth rapes him with, with Jason's snake soul. And now Robert is the new host. And we finally get to see what happens to the host bodies after they purge, <laughs> which is horrifying. <laughs> At this moment, I think Jonathan and I had both left off the coroner Phil's death as an actual death because we didn't see it. Right. But now that we know that they melt into a putrid pile of bones and flesh, I we had can to assume, go back. We can assume they're dead. And boy, they melt. Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of melting. Goopier, though. Yeah, much goopier. Like skin sticking to the walls. Mm hmm. Like his jaw fell off. Like not only do they melt, they just kind of dissolve. Yeah. And those are some, like I said earlier, those are some of my favorite special effects is dissolving goopy bodies, especially when their jaw gets stuck to the floor and they disconnect their jaw from their skull as they try to get up. Mm -hmm. He just heaps over and falls uh, dead. Now Robert's the new vessel. All this jostling and wrestling around living room has jostled Diana's body loose and, it, <laughs> and her corpse falls onto Stephen in the closet and down into the basement through the hole that he made. So now Diana's body is in the basement. Very important to remember that for later. But why? There's so much happening in this movie. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm winded by my own excitement. <laughs> oh, come on. We, we've got a nice scene of Jessica crying in the shower. Mm-hmm. No nudity, though. Sadly. Ah, but teasing. Yeah, yeah. a little bit of teasing. I Some part fair. of me always feels a little bit cheated when I don't get to see the main girl's tits. Right? Mm-hmm. But even then, what if they just showed you like a wisp of it, you know, and like did a really good job of letting you see what was going on underneath the shirt? Yeah, just I'll... driving you crazy, you know, making her look, making you look up her name on the internet, things like that. Nope, more is more. I need to see your birth canal. Google searching <sighs> blah blah nude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she's in the shower. She's crying about her mom. Finally, um, yeah. Finally, lets all that grief go. Lights turn out. Seems reminiscent of the beginning of the movie. It does seem yes. like the same scene, doesn't it? It is like the exact same scene. Yep. She and won. similarly, from the other perspective, you're like, oh, seriously? Because you, you know, they went to the trouble of taking off her clothes in front of you. You thought you were going to get it. And <laughs> Got it with everybody else. Stole it away from you. Mm. Yep. And she's terrible at protecting herself or acting scared or all of the above. She wanders out into the garage and finds a hammer and then does some of the weirdest jerking around trying to be stealthy movements that I've ever seen. Terrible blocking, Nathan. I mean, just horrendous blocking. Mm. <laughs> Ugh, don't even talk to me about blocking. <laughs> but we do get a cool shot of him hiding behind the car when she accidentally hits her hazards. It's kind of spooky. He walks out of the way right as she checks back to see in her rearview mirror if he's there. Uh, he grabs her out of the car, like what happened, mm -hmm. starts to try and puke his soul into her steven bursts through the door and saves the day again fucking hero <laughs> you see you get to see some of steven's fighting ability starting to come out a little bit mm -hmm. he can't right? he can punch some dudes he grabs uh jessica takes her out to his car they get in their car and then as they're fighting with robert who's trying to come in the driver's side window he knocks him to the ground and runs him over a couple of times yep runs him over twice and drives away 
All for naught, though, because Jessica doesn't believe that he killed a demonically possessed person. She just thinks that this guy who killed her mom escaped from jail has now killed another person in front of her. So mm -hmm. she's scared for her and her baby. And Stephen is trying to get through this plot of, hey, let's just go get the baby. Let's just go get the baby and just go. Which to her sounds fucking nuts mm -hmm. because he is a murderer. So what does she do? She punches him right in the dick. And kicks him out of the car. Yep. New Line loves some dick kicking. Punching. And, and uh, genital damage. Yeah, a little dick play, too, with the Freddy finger. Mm hmm. Yeah. Lots of penises. Lots of, lots yeah. Of, lots of crotchery. Violent crotches. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's right. And, uh, yeah, she takes off for the police Seems station. There be a connection between how much penis there is and how much Daniel enjoys the movie. Wouldn't you say, Jonathan? Yeah, Pookie needs to calm down a little bit. There's. We skip over the part, though. There's a very great sort of misogynistic part in here where Stephen tells Jessica to shut the fuck up. <laughs> that was nice. You, you don't get that too often. No. You, you, in, in all these movies, you're always dealing with like a hysterical woman at some point. And all they can do is just try to calm her down. Mm -hmm. But he's just like, no, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I have something important to tell you. <laughs> Stop freaking out for a little bit and hear what I need to say. Yep. Doesn't matter. She goes down to the police station, leaving Steven to just take a nap in the dirt. Yep. Right. There's no real reason why he's knocked out, but he just lays down in the dirt and stays there. He's had a long day. Yeah. You know, his hand's broken. A lot of bursting in the room, saving people at the last moment. Yeah. And, yeah, so she goes down to the cop station, freaks out, tells them about Steven. Randy, who got fucked over by his friend Steven earlier, he gets to be the one that gets to go out and find Steven, shows up. Picks Steven up off the ground and clocks him in the face, you piece of shit. How dare you take advantage of me earlier? As well you should. Right. And then they get in a friend fight. Right? It wasn't really a friend fight once they pulled guns on each other. Yes. They do eventually pull guns on each other. Because Randy's like, just put these cuffs on. He's like, how are you going to get those cuffs on me? He's like, I have a fucking gun. Well, so do I. So do I. It's your old gun. Yes. Not a well done scene particularly. Not especially funny or well written, but provided a little moment of humor that I wasn't expecting. You know, and I'm thinking that if you're a police officer and you have an inmate who is in a cell steal a gun from you, the police department's not going to rush out to get you a new gun. Right. And while that's all going down, here we get uh, Nathan's uh, Robert Patrick scene. Is it Robert Patrick? What's that guy's name? What, from Terminator 2? Yeah, T-1000. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the one that goes in to this police station in Terminator 1. Right. Oh, okay, got you. Got which you, is got the you. scene that this most resembles. Yep. Right, right. Yeah, Robert walks in, grabs one cop, throws him over the counter, bursts through the door. You can see Ed is talking on the phone with someone. Ed, Ed, Chief Police Ed is talking on the phone with someone. I can see through his office window that Robert has stormed in and is holding like three different cops <laughs> by their necks and just smashing bodies around. I like his view from his office. That was great. And uh, yeah, a couple of deaths happen in here. It's hard to tell who gets killed and who doesn't. There's blood smeared against lockers. There's people that get the classic urban myth palm strike, fatal nose Palm strike. It's not an urban myth. Is it not? It's real. Can you actually die that way? You can die that way. But what gets broken into the brain is what I don't understand. Because when you see a skull, like a human skull... The cartilage. Is the cartilage yeah. sharp enough to penetrate the brain? Yep. Really? I'm making this up as I go along. In in my head, it's absolutely true. I feel, okay, I was <laughs> going to say, I was like, I feel like it's one of those things that's like an urban myth. 
So Robert Jason is uh, rampaging through the police station, killing lots of people. Uh, Stephen comes in to save Jessica, yes, right? But yes, because Robert's chasing Jessica down the hallway right as Stephen and Randy walk in. Yeah, and so Stephen doesn't have a gun anymore, right? Because Randy took it away to arrest him. And Stephen sees Robert in the hallway because, you know, Jessica's like trying to get away and all this stuff. And Stephen steals Robert's gun. After jumping over his handcuffs to bring his hands to the front. Yep. So pulls that ninja move. Jumps over his handcuffs, steals Randy's gun, and clocks Randy in the face. Knocks him unconscious. Why? (sighs) Wouldn't it have been great to have his friend help him in this fight? Now, it kind of makes sense, though, because Randy doesn't know that Robert is Jason. Oh, right. And so Randy would try to stop him. So he possibly saved Randy's life. Yes. Because Randy might have walked up to him and been like, hey, stop that, and then gotten murdered. Yes. Right. But Randy would have tried to stop Steven from shooting. shooting. Yep. So definitely saved uh, Jessica's life at that moment. I like what you're smacking. I like that. Yeah. Trying to help. With uh, Nate destroying you tonight, I figure you need all the help you can get. Well, to be honest, I mean... During the Jason 8 episode, Nathan literally dared me to love this movie. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Nate, all of this is your fault. Well, you know what? I got to tell you. I'm I'm impressed, actually, with your enthusiasm. I'll give you props. (laughs) After finishing gunning down uh, Robert Jason, Robert's laying in the hallway, half unconscious, bullet in his head. We know he's not actually dead. Uh, Steven takes off with Jessica... A bunch of random cops come out of the bathroom at the same time together. Some of them are wiping their hands. Some of them are unzipping their pants or zipping their pants back up. A little strange. (laughs) And there's three of them. Two of them lean down to check on Robert. Robert wakes up and crushes their skulls against each other. Right? I counted these two guys as dead because of the gore damage it shows on them. Right. If they had just made a coconut sound and then fallen down unconscious, I wouldn't have counted them dead. But it's like gore <laughs> hanging out their faces after they smash skulls. So I assume that they're dead. Yeah, you see their the cheeks that hit each other turn into like a hamburger meat type thing. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know why that would happen. He just he was so strong. He slammed their heads together so hard and knocked their flesh loose. And the third cop who runs away smartly is like, fuck that, and just takes off. He ends up getting punched out by Duke. From Duke's cell, which is, mm-hmm. I assume, to steal his keys and get out? Yep. To, to scrub the baby. What? what? Oh, no, no. Steve and Jason rush <laughs> to Joey's diner to grab the baby. To scrub the baby. To scrub the baby. <laughs> <laughs> and Joey is there blocking them access to Jessica's own baby because she doesn't trust Jessica's decision-making? She's hanging out with a felon. Right. So she will. she's refusing to let Jessica see her baby and holding everyone at gunpoint. It's fucked up. Which is a felony in itself. Right. Give me my fucking baby. Because now she's kidnapping. Yeah. Also because suddenly Joey's so protective of this baby after calling it a big piece of shit earlier. Yeah. It was a nothing but a burden earlier that she was forced to go and put in a box. Well, she spent all night with it. Oh, now it's her little ray of sunshine? Yeah. It's her little, it's her littler pookie? Oh, no. That's disgusting. Oh, I don't like that. Do you think even when Pookie's on top, she still grabs his hips and just uses him, like, makes the motion herself? Like, just pulls him in and out? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'd like to do? 
I'd like to take a crap on your fucking mask. <laughs> <laughs> a big old mango-sized crap. Right, and to make sure... I forget why she has her son Ward go out. Is it just to protect the area or scout the area? She gives her son Ward a gun. No, because he's supposed to go back to the police station. Oh, so she wants him armed on his way back to tell the cops? Yeah. Right. She gives her son a gun, and then he professionally twirls it in his hand like an old West movie and stabs it perfectly into his like waistband. Like doesn't even fuck it up. Like Just yeah. well done. Shoves in his waistband, and his mom warns him... <laughs> about shooting off his penis and he reacts as if she's in like an embarrassing moment at school like wear your seatbelt honey and he's like oh mom i'm not gonna shoot my penis off with this gun. shoot your dick off oh mom yeah that was so weird to me anyways he goes outside he's pulling some like action movie bullshit like having fun with the gun and pointing at the bushes and very like, diehard right very diehard yeah this is when robert just comes storming across the parking lot <laughs> and i love this scene i'm sure you know why because he just grabs Ward's gun hand and you hear it break but nothing really happens then Ward goes to punch with his free hand Robert grabs that hand and breaks his arm bone completely out of the skin beautiful not dead not dead no but gruesome gruesome arm injury probably the most gruesome injury I've seen in this movie just because of the way the bone snaps out yeah it's so it's actually uh, I will give this movie that that they have brought back some intensity with the death scenes that has been drowned by the MPAA, or at least we thought it was drowned by the MPAA. Maybe New Line Cinema has a better relationship with the MPAA. I have no idea. It seems All I like know it. is that the last couple of Jason movies have been fucking pussy pussied out death scenes, especially that one where you guys said you got to see all the uh the uncut ones and I had to watch all the Oh, we're coming up to some pretty decent deaths here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Warren's body gets flung against the door. Robert bursts in. The whole place goes into slow motion panic mode. I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Robert doesn't look all that menacing, but they react to him that way. So Pookie's got a gun. He's shooting Jason. Joey's got a gun. She's shooting Jason. Vicky pulls a shotgun out of the counter. Yeah, under the counter at the diner, they keep a shotgun. And, And like starts cocking it and blasting it off like... She's done this before. You know, Crystal Lake, there's not a whole lot to do. They go out to shooting ranges, I every, guess. Every, every tall man that walks in, they think it's Jason just for a second. Like, yeah. oh, 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 okay. Sorry, Steve. Look, 80 people die in your little town. You're going to get good with a gun. Mm-hmm. But then nah, it's just, that's just America. They've got nothing good to do. Quit pronouncing the first A. It's not there. Blow off their weapons. <clears throat> America. Mm, oh, I haven't gone outside America. and shot my gun aimlessly into the air yet. That's America. America. But then Pookie gets it. But you're not a real American, Daniel. We've been through this. Sorry, American. I know. That's why when I shoot my gun off, I do it with like a guilty look on my face. Hey, Nate. (laughs) Nate, pronounce it M-U-R. M-U-R? America. America. There you go. America. Pookie gets it. America. (laughs) Pookie gets his head dipped in the deep fryer. Freedom. Was was that a deep fryer or was it just sink? It was a a fryer. Okay. Yeah, it was brutal. He gets his head shoved into it. Drowns in the deep fryer. Drowns in the deep fryer. Gets his face burnt off in the deep fryer. Whatever it is. Poor little Pookie. Gets his body just like hurled against the wall in the countertops too. He's then, so tiny. And then what happens to Joey? Like Jason Weird. punches her in the in the chin. Yeah. And it seems like 
it seems like her chin jaw like goes up into her oh, skull. I think that was my favorite death. It is. I couldn't even. I didn't even technically count it as a death because I was like, "Can you survive with your jaw crushed in like that?" I guess you can. Yeah, um, it was great. But it was she just because yeah. she was so yappy, right? Yep. It and then perfect, he just punches yeah. her in the mouth, and she turns to the camera, and they give you a nice long look at the fact that she can't ever speak another word again, and let her drop. <laughs> so Vicky goes and stabs Robert Jason with a pole. Of some lots of poles, rebar. Is it rebar? It's all over this movie. I think it all emanates from the Voorhees estate basement. That's ridiculous. And stabs him with the rebar, right? Mm-hmm. And Jason grabs Vicky, stares at her, and slowly impales her on the rebar with him. Yes, with him. That like was, that scene. It was nice. Mm-hmm. Good tension there. A little reminder of the brutality of Jason, even if he's in a different body. It's yeah. still there. Why doesn't somebody just walk up to all the remaining Voorhees descendants and just blow them all away? That's there, what Jason's done. trying to do. Mm-hmm. No, he's trying to be reborn through one. Right. So as That's long as they kill to do. them and take the bodies and you know incinerate them, then he's got nowhere to go. He's just going to travel from body to body, and the bodies are going to keep giving out, and he's going to have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it but until then, eventually but he then dies. You, but then you wouldn't have a Voorhees to kill him. So Jason's plan is to kill all of the Voorhees ladies, and... Yeah, but what good is a heart that can never find a body that he can stay in? He's right. Gonna it move would be from a body to body to body. It'd be no, a dormant but, heart eventually just in the woods somewhere. Yeah, yeah so just, if, if he goes... Yeah, just, just beating. Just beating not, by itself. So not lonely. Having any, maybe a bunny rabbit comes up and nibbles at it. Oh, here we go again. Yep. But, but if he goes into a dead Voorhees woman's vagina, yes. then he can stay in that body forever. That's why I said incinerate. That's why I said incinerate the bodies. God, listen. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You incinerate them. That's probably a good idea. Uh, I also would have taken. It also would have been a great little subplot or twist on this movie for Steven to like turn the gun on Jessica and be like, "Listen, this is for everyone's well-being. Right. This is for the greater good. But then you Jason, and your baby have to die for the greater good. But then if if Jessica and the baby died and they're not incinerated, well, that also incinerate then, them. Then there's no way to kill Jason. Right. You would have to just deal with him being dormant. We'd literally have to be a bunch of FBI guys staring at a glass case with a heart in it, and their duty is 24 hours just to watch it. Yeah. Until one guy is just swayed by the heart to go and just, like, go eat it. Do we get to find out the secret of Jason's evil in this movie? Mm. It stems from the mom. The mom was a witch doctor with the Necronomicon. They do kind of insinuate that there's some weird witchcraft or curse on the family or something by putting that book in there. Okay, because the plot summary of this movie just it it advertises things that I don't I didn't think happened. But Jason has been reborn with the bone chilling ability to assume the identity of anyone he touches. No, that's idiots. That's, yeah, that's just idiots that's writing a summary. Not true. Because he touched a lot of people. The t- <laughs> yeah, you have to mouth rape them with your body demon. <laughs> it's got it's got to be a significant <laughs> tongue lash, <laughs> you know. New line cinema with their gross tongues coming back again. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah the tongue thing. Tongues. Immediately thinking, what is this? A Freddy movie? Like, yep. come on. I don't know why that is. Why are they so into tongues? I don't get it. The, the terrifying truth is he could be anywhere or anybody. Now, while they're running around searching for the baby back amongst all this chaos, the baby is gone. Jessica has found a note that she reads only to herself and then uses the first opportunity she gets to escape from Stephen and leave on her own. Stephen ends up finding the note that she was holding on to. It was a note from the Duke left in the place of the baby for Jessica to find that is telling Jessica to come by herself and meet him at the Voorhees estate. Though I don't know why at this point Jessica would be wanting to get away from Stephen because obviously he was telling the truth now. Right. So why can't he just come along? Right. And doesn't the Duke already trust Stephen because he's broken his fingers a couple times? Why are you saying the Duke? Like, that's his title. That's his last name. (laughs) He's not a monarch of any kind. He's just right. But we, we learn that when Jessica gets there, it's because he can't trust. He can he can only be completely sure that she isn't possessed. Right. By Jason. Anyone that she brings with her could be possessed and is just playing a role. Yeah. We get all the once Jessica finally gets there, her and Duke have a conversation. We get all the information that we need about everything. Her bloodline, her being attached to Jason. Uh the Duke is the Duke. Duke is still really, even in this moment where he could take the opportunity to be a hero, he's still a creepy bastard and like threatens to kill the baby with a knife if she doesn't listen to his story. Yep. And like, just give me two minutes. Yeah, he is a terrible, terrible communicator, and he <laughs> introduces her to this special dagger, and he does it the same way Donald Sutherland does it to what's her face in the Buffy movie. By teaching her that her power is real by throwing a dagger at her face and forcing her to catch it. It's the same thing in this movie as it is in the Buffy, the Vampire Slayer movie. Throw a knife at your face, you catch it, you immediately go, oh, I am magical. Right, that's all it takes. Yep. And this, and she, when she catches this magic dagger, no explanation where this dagger came from. Or why it gets mysteriously imbued with magical power when a Voorhees-blooded individual touches it. Which it does. Yeah, just normal knife that Duke throws and Jessica catches it and presto changeo, it's a Jason killing dagger. Mm-hmm. And to add a little mystery to a scene that's going to be coming up, we see a first-person perspective of a cop entering the diner, seeing all the co- all the chaos, and then getting attacked by Robert Jason. Mm-hmm. We All we know is that it's a cop. So when Ed finally shows up out of the Voorhees estate... We don't know if Ed is Jason or if Ed is Ed. Right. Especially since we already thought Ed was dead. Right. Because then also Randy enters. So then it's a classic doppelganger movie situation. Who's mm-hmm. the real one? Who's not the real one? Duke, is, Duke has fallen through the basement and paled his leg with, a, with another piece of rebar. <laughs> and he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, kill them both. Kill everybody. Just kill them all. You can never be sure. Oh. Good advice. It is good advice in the moment, but I have a feeling that he would have given that advice no matter what. Yeah. It could have been any two people. He's like, it's my mother and my baby. Kill them both. <laughs> also, this is the only part of the movie that makes me a little bit angry. Why? Because this is the one part of the movie where they break their own rules. At least from what I can tell. Because up until this moment, every person possessed by Jason is the Silent. same brute mute that he is. Yep. But both of these cops are talking as if they're their regular selves. Right. Trying to pull a trick on Jessica. 
which I didn't like. I thought one of them should have been obviously quiet with dark bags under his eyes. Right. Right. But still we get lured into this little ruse or this little clever play out. She accidentally, not accidentally, Ed kind of kills himself. Well, I wouldn't say clever, first of all. Okay, not clever, but this confusing situation that's playing out. Ed kills himself, basically. Does he? He tries to grab Jessica. She doesn't, like, stab him. She just holds the knife in front of her. And he does something where he lurches at her and kills him. And it gets impaled on the knife. So he doesn't kill himself on purpose, but he gets himself killed. And then we immediately learn that he's not the one possessed by Jason. So she just killed her mother's boyfriend. Dead mother's boyfriend. With a magical dagger. She's she's nothing to him anymore. That's true. He was really never anything to her anyway. Because she lived in another state. Yeah. And this is a small town. He's probably been double chin deep in Joey since the second Diana died. And kind of scary. Now that we know that Randy is Jason, Randy looks a lot more brute and scary. He just grabs the baby with one hand and throws all this shit off the table with the other and puts the baby down. Kind of slams the baby down. Mm -hmm. And then how weird is it to be that actor with this gross, putrid, fake demon snake in your mouth and then having to lean over an infant baby's face and terrorize it for 90 seconds <laughs> as the director's like, cut, go, cut. Can we get some more viscous fluid on that baby? Okay, cut, go. Uh, whatever, the baby's not making memories yet. She has no not, idea. Well, not that it knows. It's slowly turning that baby into a new Jason, maybe. The back of its head all it sees is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stephanie grows up, and every time she closes her eyes, she's just... Like, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just keeps filleting rubber snakes. Doesn't <laughs> understand why. Oh, Stephen runs in again. Third or fourth time Stephen's come in to save the day. This time he's got a machete that he took from the diner. Yep, gotta that, have a machete in the that, in a Jason the, movie. Hey, the Duke left it for him. When does he get serious and the glasses come off? When does that happen? I think the glasses have come off at this point. When he told her to shut the fuck up in the car, his glasses were off. I just I remember thinking thinking he was more of a badass when the glasses were off. It's like, oh, who's this Steven? Who's this guy? Yeah, he looked more like generic guy than nerd when yeah. the glasses came off. And yeah. didn't his varsity jacket come off too? I think so. He's just wearing like a red shirt now, right? Yeah, he's he's in kick ass. Red mode. shirt? Is it a red glasses shirt? Glasses off. Mm-hmm. Huh? Freddy? Is he Freddy? What reference are you you making, Nathan? (laughs) Who else takes off glasses and becomes a bigger deal than they are with the glasses on? Oh, Superman? So if he had a a blue shirt, maybe, with a red (sighs) underwear outside of his pants? Right. Okay. Well, Super Steven comes in, wielding a machete. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Cuts Randy's head halfway off. Randy falls to the ground. Here's where we get our dream child moment. There is a half-formed demon entity. Creature? Creature inside of Randy's body that makes its way out of the goopy gore of his neck hole. It wasn't even really goopy gore. It looked like overcooked pasta. Or like a bunch or a bunch of old wiring. Yeah. <laughs> like crumpled wires. And uh starts crawling around just on the ground. Steven and Jessica are looking all over the ceiling. The demon baby lurches. It tries to strangle Steven in its half-formed demon form. Gets tossed down into the basement with Duke. Now they're looking for the dagger. Where is the dagger? Where's the fucking dagger? It's 
under a dresser. The hardest place to get to in the world. They're reaching for it forever. And they cannot get to this dagger that's just, what, eight inches under a dresser? Yeah. If she just put her baby down for a second, got a little bit lower to the ground, she could just reach under and grab it. Not that hard. It's not like trying to grab a dime from between your seats or something. It's just a fucking dagger right there, but they cannot get it. She even stupidly fumbles it into a hole so it falls into the basement. (laughs) Now. Rickety floors in this Voorhees estate. Everyone's fallen through the goddamn floor. Yeah, everyone falls. Everyone in this movie has a chance to fall through the basement floor. A duke, terrified by this half-formed demon that's scrambling around the basement, crawls out of the basement, and that's where we learn after all this time that... The Voorhees woman doesn't have to be alive in order for Jason to be reborn. And you think you're seeing a demon make its way up a dead woman's vagina, and you are seeing a demon make its way up a dead woman's vagina. Brilliant. Unbelievable. Brilliant. And as Jason is reborn into his original form, he doesn't get reborn into a baby Jason or even a baby deformed Jason, or a young deformed Jason, or a young not deformed Jason, or any variation of Jason in between now and when his body became so fucked up it was unusable. He goes straight to the toxic waste (laughs) form that he left previously, and it's like, yep, preferred form. It had to be, right? Like, you'd assume he had a choice. Yep. And Duke gets himself killed trying to keep Jason from killing the rest of them as they search for this fucking dagger. Lame death, though. Just crushing him? Like, for as big of a badass as this character is supposed to be, he gets killed with a bear hug. Yeah. Also, Duke handcuffs one of his arms to, like, the wall, Mm -hmm. and then his other arm to Jason. Right. And with how strong Jason is, I thought for sure the Duke's arms were going to get ripped off. Or just, like... Just remembered where I know this guy from. (laughs) I hope I'm right. The quick and the dead... I don't know. You had to look it up. Leonardo DiCaprio, Gene Hackman, that movie, that western about yeah. the Sharon about, Stone. This, about the gunfight competition. He plays a bounty hunter <laughs> that was hired to take out a specific guy, and he gets his ass handed to him. Nice. Here, I thought you were going to bring up an, an irrelevant connection. Well, no, same thing, right? He gets his ass handed to him. Same shit. Yeah, he totally does. And I thought he was going to get his arms ripped off, or I thought for sure his skin was going to be sloughed off as one of his hands gets pulled through the handcuffs. But no, he doesn't really take much damage except for getting his spine crushed to death. And now that Jason is free to kill whoever he wants, Steven tackles him through the window and they get into a big mono mono fight in the backyard. But it's not really mano y mano because Steven is kind of small. Steven doesn't understand that when you try to use a weapon against Jason, that weapon will eventually become Jason's weapon and you will die from that weapon. But he just gets his ass beat a lot until finally our classic killing off Jason slow motion scene where Jessica comes running out with the magically imbued dagger and stabs it into Jason's dark heart. Or at least halfway. Into Jason's dark heart. And out come the Roman candles. Shit's spewing. She has caused some damage. And Steven decides to go Karate Kid. Right? Yeah. He's heard the stories. He knows that no Jason doesn't take actual damage unless it's from this dagger. Right. 
but he's still but he wants to be a part of it yeah and does what everyone else does which is stupidly try and hit Jason in his mask with your bare fists but boom boom couple of punches to the face uh, Jessica wisens up and goes oh the dagger's not in far enough kicks it the rest of the way <laughs> in which opens this like god portal to heaven and also unleashes all these large puppet demon hands to start spewing out of the ground and grabbing at Jason. Yeah, they look like rock sort of like Muppet. They look type. like Muppet hands. Like Muppet, maybe, maybe never ending story, but definitely yes. Jim Henson. Never ending story. I did that did come to mind when I saw those hands. Right? And never never mind. I was wrong. I was confusing him with a guy named David or sorry, Keith David. He's in uh, Requiem for a Dream. Made Marion. Made Marion. Deeper voice. Big gap in his front teeth. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah, God Portal getting tugged down into hell. Some of the arms get a little grabby and start trying to grab Steven and pull <laughs> Steven down into hell. What would have happened? Uh, he should have gone. Fuck that guy. Devil's like, eh, eh, one more. Not going to kick you out like God. <laughs> and Jason makes one last attempt to grab everybody and come out of the ground. Doesn't matter. The demons from hell are too strong, and they just pull them down into the dirt. Not at all what I'd imagine demon hands to look like. No. Roman candles finish off. The god portal closes up. It seems like everything's dead and taken care of. All we have to do now is just walk off into the sunrise, right? Yep. But there's one more little scene. And Nathan, I don't know if you were like me and thought that Tango the dog was going to come and piss fire (laughs) onto Jason's mask. No, I knew what it was going to be. Yeah, I remember the scene from when I was a kid. Yep. I didn't, I've never seen this scene before. I just looked at the cast list and I saw that Kane Hodder also plays Freddy Krueger's arm. Yep. So I was like thinking that I hadn't seen Freddy's arm yet. So it's got to be now. Yeah. Chelsea was sitting there with me and I said, and Freddy Krueger's arm. And she said, how did you know that? And I said, because it's a stupid movie. It's all. I, I also thought it was that because you nerdily explained to us last time that you know the next movie is where they thought they were going to start to introduce the Freddy vs. Jason concept, but they didn't because of blah de blah. Because this, they changed their mind. Blah de yeah. blue. Who knows? That's the big mystery. I couldn't find a whole lot of information as to why it didn't happen. I mean, I know why in 1987. It didn't happen because Paramount still owned Jason. And they're like, we're not going to just let you guys kill him off. Chelsea asked me why. And I said, probably because this movie was a fucking failure. Right. But this this is considered on the lower end of the Jason films with Jason Takes Manhattan and the rest. But still $3 million made like $15 million. Yeah, because they're smart. They're smart businessmen. Right. They don't don't think I'm going to take... This whole concept of Freddy versus Jason and use it now. I'm gonna wait for people to forget about this atrocious piece of shit. Yes. First, when did Jason X come out? Uh, like a year or two before Freddy versus Jason. But Jason X wasn't well received either, so I don't know if that logic holds up. I guess it doesn't then, because I mean, this was '93. They waited a long time to do Jason X, which means they basically said we need to walk away from this. Right. And create hype, see how that Freddy hand affects people, see how much hype it causes, how much 
you know, it's 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 different back in '93. The whole the whole dynamic of of how you affect the public is different. Now you can do something in a movie, or you can put out a viral video or ad, and you can gauge what the reaction's going to be from the internet and from social media and all the rest of it. Back yeah. then, you didn't have that ability. You just maybe you know <laughs> probably probably paid some fucking telemarketing survey company to add it to their list of questions yep oh yeah you go see a a freddy versus jason movie definitely at the old school way but i bet you guys are probably right i bet they did wait a while for shit to cool off because it wasn't that well received i mean after these so many movies people want their freddy killing people in their nightmares and they want their jason in a mask slash people with machetes they did not people did not like demonic possession in 1993 they thought this was a slap in the face but these many years later, I ask you as a Jason fan or a horror fan in general to go back and watch Jason Goes to Hell because I found it so much fun after sitting through all the rest of the films back to back, week to week. <sighs> but that's it. Jason Goes to Hell, done, in the bag. We Thank are God. almost done. We've got Jason X next week, Freddy vs. Jason after that, and that's it. I'm excited for Freddy vs. Jason. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm not getting my hopes up for anything. I've learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. Come on, Jason. Freddy versus Jason has to be significantly better. No, than... no. See, the thing is, <laughs> is with these movies, I just it... heard, I just heard Daniel hesitate with a high school. <laughs> yeah. That makes me very worried. No, Nate, if you can't what... trust them to handle one of them. Can you trust them to handle two of them? Right. Oh, Nate, what I've learned about these movies eight. is they don't have to be anything. Right. They leave it to you to make the best of them, Ooh. which is what I do. Really, I think we could do a half an hour podcast here. There's just not enough content. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? I have more notes than I've ever taken before. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, your voice has just got more and more distant. It was actually kind of pleasant. Are you a man or are you Daniel's bitch? Are you done? Jesus Christ. See, my name is inside of Jonathan's name. Yes. I had the extra Joe. Joe, yeah. Joe Nathan. <clears throat> Nate, does that make Words. you feel good that your name's inside of mine? I don't know how it makes me feel. I feel a little bit dirty. Is that your jerk-off movie or something? What's going on? The d- is so thickly accumulated dried on it that it's no longer usable <laughs> i can only to the f- f- image on the front sticker okay. of the dvd all right you made your point thank you oh you want to go gay let's go gay <laughs> well parasecophobia paras paras Catriophobia. You're not the angel. 
Is anybody else very disturbed by the way that that strange parasitic entity heart slash snail slash whatever the fuck that was entrail being slither its way through her legs into her vagina? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That definitely. I, I thought happens. we were saving the best parts for last. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we just? Jumping off course, I told you already. I prepared you for this. I told Man, you I was going to get did upset. Not think sitting you here impatiently, I was going to start to throw. I did throw not things. think, Nate, that you would take my favorite part in this movie and just throw it out there like it's nothing. <laughs> like that, that was a beautiful piece of cinema. Yeah, Jonathan looks visibly crushed. <laughs> it's all over now. I'm going to do something new with you guys tonight, okay? I'm going to let you carry the conversation. 